Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. You know what I was just thinking? Most of the guys I, you know, I broke into the majors with, they're all gone now. You mean uh, gone to the great beyond, Coach? Nah, Alan, dead. <laughs> uh, I, I can't understand it. You know, you wonder, you're born, you grow up, you die. Is that the end? Is that it? Well, uh, you know, there's various theories about an afterlife, Coach. Uh, uh, Millions believe in uh, reincarnation. You mean like when you come back as a chicken? (laughs) Well, not necessarily as a chicken, Coach. Uh, The Hindus believe that uh, what you come back as depends on your behavior in this life. You know, if you led a good life, do you come back in an uh, elevated state? Like Colorado. No, Coach. Uh, more like a king or a prince. Uh, you know, conversely, uh, if you've not led a good life, you come back in a more uh, lonely condition. Last time out, I must have made a real ass of myself. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. And welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and I am excited to kick off the second season of Cheers. Yes, despite the abysmal ratings of the first season, the series was gifted a sophomore year that began in September 1983 and ran until May of 1984. And along the way, it picked up a lot more viewers, as the increased ratings indicated, as well as some more awards. And on this episode of Cheerscast, my guest and I are going to discuss the first episode of Season 2. Who is my guest, you ask? He is the host of Resurrections, the Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, which, hey, you know, that's a pretty relevant time to be uh, talking about those characters right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Al Sedano. How are you, man? I'm good. Yes, I'm relevant now. I did some <laughs> good planning five, six years ago. Yeah. Well, when one of the characters is the star of two movies that added up to, like, $5 billion, that's, that's you know, topical. Woo-hoo! And as we're recording this, they're just now starting to speculate and rumors are swirling of who might be cast as Adam Warlock in the third Guardians movie, so that's cool. Yes, I know. <laughs> rumors. But, but pushing all that aside, for yeah. now, what is your Cheers story? How and when did you discover the show? Here's the thing. When I actually discovered it, I'm not sure. I know when I became aware of it. I mean, I'm pretty sure I caught it on reruns because after a couple several years, Cheers was one of those shows that was always being rerun somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whatever local station you had had Cheers at a rerun either 11 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock at night. And I know I must have caught some episodes because I already had an idea of what it was. But it's actually the 200th episode is the first one I can actually really remember watching. <laughs> now, why I watched that, if I hadn't really 
had much of a thing with it still before. I don't know. But that's like season nine. So I was like 15 years old at that point. That's an, that's an interesting show to come in because it's like the panel show where you've got the whole cast and crew up doing a bunch of clips and flashbacks. To, so it's, I mean, you are kind of getting the history of the show right there. But, and it does, I guess, it kind of helped probably when watching old episodes, like when they would rerun random ones, because I had an idea of like, oh, okay, that's what Coach and Diane was about. And that's why they're not on anymore. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, when you're watching newer episodes and you have Frasier and Rebecca. And you're like, well, who are these people and Woody? And like, well, what's going on with this thing? It kind of says more. And now when I see old episodes, I was like, oh, I know what that is because they talked about on that episode. Yeah. But then I watched it regularly since then to the end. Yeah. And I've probably seen the show for the most part in reruns. It's actually funny. Right around the time you announced this podcast, I decided, you know what? It's on Hulu. I'm going to do a Cheers rewatch. And you then announced the show. So (laughs) like, oh, perfect timing. Yeah, gosh, it's... It is weird that, I mean, I probably would have been the same, like, I I mean, I had been watching the show since well before that 200th episode, but I do remember taping, uh, like, recording that one and going back and watching it a lot because for a long time that was my reference point to a lot of the older episodes that weren't being rerun as often, and it must have imprinted so large my because like when i see moments where i hear dialogue from some of the from some of these earlier episodes i was like i remember that through the context of of seeing the clip show in the 200 episodes yeah. exactly i had it on i had a tape too and in fact there's one line that always pops in my head whenever i see cliff because it was uh ratzenberger talking about the character saying cliff thinks he's the uh, wing nut holding society together <laughs> but really he's just some kind of winged nut yeah yeah exactly i love that and that's in my head every time I see Cliff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I love that one too. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let us get into the episode that we are here for, which is season two, episode one, Power Play. Uh, this episode is written by the Charles brothers, Glenn and Les, who are the series creators, along with James Burroughs, who is the director of this episode. The original air date, Thursday, September 29th, 1983. Picking up right where last season left off, Sam and Diane are eager to consummate their new relationship. But Diane doesn't want to be just another one of his conquests, and insists that they go someplace that Sam has never been with another woman. This rules out pretty much all of Boston except for Diane's apartment. But when they get there, Sam is shocked by Diane's collection of stuffed animals and makes fun of them. Diane is hurt and kicks him out. Sam storms back to the bar, swearing he never wants to see Diane again, but that bravado ends when Carla tells him how he can get Diane back. She encourages Sam to act bullish and aggressive to demonstrate that he has all the power. Diane is sure to submit to Sam then, and hey, why would Carla give him bad advice on this subject? Sam returns to Diane's apartment, actually forcing his way in when she refuses to open the door. He puts on the Macho Man is King act, which then vanishes when he thinks Diane has called the police on him. He begs her not to send him to jail, and now that she has all the power, she forgives him and invites him into her bedroom. But when she admits that she never called the police after all, Sam sneakily takes all of her precious stuffed animals and throws them out the window. All right, Al, um... I think we need to take this one in chronological order because it gets a little bit complicated towards the end of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are some definite, uh, there are some moments 
gender dynamics uh, and just things that are kind of <laughs> this is yeah. uncomfortable watching it oh, in a yeah. modern context. Uh, so so let us actually get up to that point. Um, first of all, we pick up with uh, the same dialogue, the same way that the last season ended, which is Sam and Diane screaming at each other, threatening each other, but being so caught up in the passion of their argument that they actually engage in their first real full-time kiss. And it's fun because we kind of see this, or, or hear it more or less, from the perspective of the gang in the bar, like like kind of listening in. And when everything goes quiet, Coach has left him. He's like, well, what are they doing in there if they're not killing each other? Which is, you know, pretty good. Everyone just looks at him like, uh, who's <laughs> yeah. going to explain this to Coach now? Right. Right. Um, and then we cut to the opening title sequence, which is a little bit different this time around because for the first time, John Ratzenberger is now a series regular with his name in the opening credits. Um, yes. He had been pretty much a staple since the beginning of the show. I think he only missed one episode in the first season, uh, but he was always listed in the ending credits with and John Ratzenberger as Cliff. But now he is a full-timer. He is, has his name in the opening credits, and there will be until the end of the series. So As he should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but before we start this episode, you were actually bringing up a question about the opening credits. And it's funny because I, I felt like I was talking about these with some of the other guests and before the show went, started, but... I don't think it ever came up on this podcast, which is where did these pictures come from? Exactly. Like, where did they get these from? Is this stuff they found or did they get these done for the show? Especially the thing about where George Went names come up and you could look at that guy and go, is that George Went? (laughs) They're not original commissions. Like, they're all old timey, like archive pictures. You can actually find where some of them came from if you if you do a Google search. But the funny thing is, like, some of them, if you take them out of context, they're not even from bars um they're like some of them are like old-timey photographs from like butcher shops um or like like barbers or hairstylists or something like that that they just kind of like have this like turn of the century feel to them yeah i guess i just had the look right right and certainly like some of the, the the coloring has been like i think notably the image of the two guys standing next to each other i think it's usually when woody harrelson's name is up on the credits so we're talking about like season four and later I think that picture was originally from a butcher shop or something like that, because it's two guys standing together and they've got aprons on, but it's not a bar scene. Oh, wow. So, yeah, like, I don't I don't know, like, old books, old, like, archives or libraries, like, where all the pictures come from, but they are vintage pieces from the late 1800s, early 1900s that these came from. Like, they weren't originally commissioned, so, yeah, it is. The fact that they found somebody who just fits the type of, for, for a George Went type of thing, it's just good luck, you know? Yeah, especially those last two they show at the at the very end of the credits. Like mm-hmm. those two, they look like kids. They look like they're fifteen years old, <laughs> and like one of them, they look like they're having the time of their lives. Like they, I want to know that story. Like these two kids snuck into this bar and like are having the time of their life, and I want to know what's going on with these guys. Like I want to hang out with them if I was fifteen. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, it's so it's weird to think like if I didn't have the context for this show, if I was just looking at those pictures, like the story that they would tell, like what where your imagination would go with just those photos and those pictures, like. Oh, but like I know one of the pictures, like if you really watch it, like you see a woman standing there. It's the very be- when they show the Cheers logo, mm-hmm. and yeah, the woman yeah. there. And if you look at the bottom right corner, there's like a guy like hanging out by her legs. <laughs> yeah, 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 she's got her legs kicked up, and there's a guy like underneath the table looking at her. It's yeah, I don't know if he's che- if he's like 
like doing like John Candy from Splash, <laughs> or if he's that drunk that he can't get off the floor. Yeah, I don't know. So it just it always makes me wonder when I watch the show. I always my brain always goes during the credits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another new fixture of for this season is the opening, like kind of before the teaser, we get the cheers as filmed before a live studio audience, read by one of the cast members. That's started in the middle of the first season but it wasn't consistent like on every episode starting with season two that does become the official way that every episode begins okay i couldn't remember i know i went back and rewatched the uh opening creds for the last episode just to make sure i was right that john ratzenberger was added here yeah and it's funny actually he's the one that says that for that last episode yeah yeah uh all right so moving moving on yeah. to the episode then <sighs> sam and diane want to get together and uh, of course it's like th- this was something that uh, the the writers actually talked about because there was a big concern with now that like the whole first season was this will they won't they romance, and by the end of it you bring them together is that going to fundamentally alter the show alter the chemistry because they've gotten together and I think the writers kind of accurately pointed out and we see in this episode is like no the show is still will they won't they we just kind of moved the goalposts a little bit. Because now it's not will they or won't they get together, it's will they or won't they stay together? Can this relationship last 10 minutes or a week or anything longer than that? And can they last a breakup, too, if they're still in proximity of each other? Will they, won't they get back together? Because it's something I was listening to the last episode, and one thing that was pointed out, they are not a good match. No, no. They are not a good relationship where it's like, will they, won't they? Oh, now they did get together. Great, they're together. It's... The fundamental problems are still there. Mm-hmm. They have amazing chemistry. They're super attracted to each other. But how long can that last when they are so different and so fixed in their ways that they're not the type of people who are going to change a lot? So Exactly. Yeah, it's it's crazy. They need both need – I mean, honestly, looking at this, like they both need somebody who is halfway. Mm-hmm. He needs somebody that's more like him but somewhat like Diane. And conversely, Diane needs somebody who's like her but – more in Sam's world still, but instead they're going for like these exact opposites. There's something about this, and I don't know if what their decision making was. Maybe just they thought that they needed to kind of they needed a little bit of a clean slate for the brand new audience because they picked up a lot of new viewers with the second season because the show won a bunch of awards. It won a bunch of Emmys right after the first season ended. So I think anticipating that they were going to get a good look in audience, they chose to do something which is at the end of the first season. You'll remember the whole climax hinged on the fact that Diane was going to run off with Sam's brother. Like, she was basically getting engaged to Sam's brother, Derek. She was going to run off with him. He is never mentioned. That does not come up in this at all. Like, it is completely, like, once she's with there's no, like, thing, like, is he, like, looking for her? Is he going to call the bar wondering, hey, how come she never came back or something? Like, that is just completely dropped from this episode. No one cares about Derek anymore. (laughs) Right, right, right. I mean, does he even make mentioned ever again? Is he going to be, like, the older brother from uh, Happy Days? Just gone forever? (laughs) I think in one of the later episodes, like with Rebecca, I think there is an offhanded reference to Sam's brother, but that's it. Like, it, there's definitely like, there's some family member things that have come up in the first couple of seasons that just get instantly dropped and never mentioned again. So, so it, within this first scene, you get Sam and Dan, they've come together now, and where are they going to go? She Because she instantly brings it up. We should go somewhere that we can be alone. And he's like, all right, got it. And he starts ripping the, the, the cushions off the couch. Like, he's going to pull out a, a hidden bed or something. 
little up bed there. You know he does. Right. And she's like, no, 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 somewhere else. And he's like, how about my apartment or something? And before long, it just becomes this thing where she's so in her head that she's like, no, I want to go somewhere where it's you've never been with another woman. And this leads me to one of my, my what probably is my favorite part of the whole episode. So I'll say that towards the end. Basically, just the fact that he there there is no place in Boston he can find that he's never been with except for her apartment. Well, yeah, because he's been with like about four hundred. I mean, four honeys. Yeah, exactly. Honey, it's such a good moment. <laughs> it's like Diane. It's like obviously she knows that's not true. Right. He's been with more than four women in the year she's been. There. Yeah. She knows the numbers to more than four. Right. She's believing what she wants to believe. Yeah, it's so great. Like her her response to that, like the little yelp she lets out, and she's like, "How many women have you been with?" He's like, "Oh, you know, four or five hun." And he gets that, and she just goes, "Let's up this." Ah. Like this kind of like startled yelp, like she can't believe it. And he like sets on it. He's like, yeah, honeys, honeys. I said four honeys. I think that, that was just like, oh, it's like she knew that. That was just her being reminded because she knew all this already. <laughs> this is not shocking. This is her like going, oh, God, I forgot. Yeah. It's like, I forgot who you are. I'm surprised she didn't make him take a blood test before they went off. I think that probably would have happened if the show was done today. Oh, um, so maybe they hit that on the way through the park. <laughs> Well, they did stop for flowers. Yeah, yeah there's just well, before there's, that, yeah, right. There, there's some amazing dialogue in that scene, and I, I like. I, it's such a quotable little thing that I, I feel like I want to come back to it. But once once they decide to leave, they're going to go to Diane's apartment. They they walk out and they walk back to the bar and they kind of mention it to everybody and they don't really get the warmest reception from. But there's this great little bit where Diane gives this little monologue and she starts with like quoting. They say fools rush in where wise men fear. And it, it like her whole thing boils down. She says we have decided to reverse the fall line of our aloneness or some weird way yeah, that she phrases it. Reversing the fault lines of our aloneness together. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone is just looking like, what the hell? And, and Carla gives voice to it. She's like, what is he? What is she talking about, Sam? And Sam's response is just, I don't know. Is this <laughs> what we he... talked about before inside? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. We're going to start messing around. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, the, way he has to, the way he has to explain it to the guy. It's like Diana decided we're going to start messing around. And they're like, oh, good, good. And like, he has to put it in their language. It's so good. But it's a nice little also way for the meta for the show of like taking – not doing the traditional – Things of a sitcom. I mean, you think about it, and any pretty much any sitcom. If you have two main characters getting together, it is a big deal for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ross and Rachel on yep. Friends, big deal for everybody. Um, Ted and Robin on How I Met Your Mother, big deal for everybody. Sam and Diane and Cliff and Norm are like, all right, whatever. Refill? Yeah, refill. Because <laughs> yeah. that's not their focus. And Diane can't stand that. Diane needs, like, she needs this validation from everybody, even from the apes at the bar. She needs to know that they think that what she's doing is the most important thing in the world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and maybe because part of it she is, she's not so sure that it is. Part of it. Yeah. yeah. Possibly looking for somebody else to tell her, yeah, it's okay, it's a good thing. So eventually we make it back to Diane's apartment, which is another milestone, another first for the series, because this is the first time that we have on-screen action that does not take place in the bar. That's right. In the first season, every scene, whether it was the main bar, it was the office, it was the bathroom, it was the pool room, everything took place in Cheers. This is our first set, our first scene that is not in the bar, uh, and it's Diane's apartment. Oh, and speaking of Diane's apartment, back in the office, we did get something in there that actually took Sam out of it for a minute, where we actually saw something that could affect Sam for women, when she talks about her apartment being a mess, and he's like, no, it's fine. 
Wait, we're not talking about pigsty, are we? <laughs> right, right. And then once we get there, it's like, that apartment is not a mess. <laughs> like, she totally cleaned up like that. That apartment is immaculate. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. What are you talking about? So they get there, and then there's the whole thing with him going into the bedroom, and, like, she, you know, wants to take her time, and he just, like, rushes right in, thinks he steps on her cat, turns out that it's one of his stuffed animals, and that leads to him. He's like, this is a little bit weird, because she's got names for all of them. And I was trying to figure out if having all of those stuffed animals and taking those so seriously with the names, if that was in character for Diane or not. I kind of feel like it is. I mean, yeah. she doesn't have a lot of friends, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, she probably has more friends, quote-unquote, at the bar than she ever has total in her life. So when she says they're my friends, I think she actually meant it. That's why there's they all have names and personalities and little stories, because... She was a very lonely child. That's a good point, yeah. And probably a lonely adult. So those are her friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, her, her elitism, her background. I mean, she. We we know this that she had friends, but like they're. I, I do think, yeah, it's it's. She does kind of present herself in a way that keeps people at an arm's distance. So yeah, that's probably right. I bet. I mean, I think. Well, we also know. Yeah, we. She has. She's admitted actually that in the past that she's been. She was a lonely child. So I think that's that's very true. That's a good point that. Those do those are kind of surrogates for her, and yeah, she probably is closer to the people at the bar than anybody else in her adult life right now. So, which is why she takes it more seriously that he finds it weird than she should. Yeah, I mean, she should be like, yeah, don't worry about it, just move them out of the way. You know, don't think about it, let it go. And he would have, right? Because he was ready to. He's like, all right, whatever. They have more important things to care about. But then once she's ready to kick him out of the apartment, this is where this is where the episode kind of turns, and it's like, okay. I, I've I've had to defend Sam's uh, behavior throughout this show, and it's always been pretty easy because has he been a little bit sleazy? Has he been a little bit chauvinistic? Yeah, but he's never really crossed the line. But here we get we're, we're coming close, at least in the first part, like where they're in the middle of fighting it, and it, it's off camera. But we see he takes his pants off, and and he, she's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Why are you taking your pants off?" And he's like, "Well, it's not to give you know Mr. Buzzer or whatever the B is a, a better show." And he has a line, he's like, Mr. Malone takes his pants off, he doesn't put them back on until after he's done his business. Mm, yeah, that's a bad line. That's Oh, yeah, no, there are a couple scenes here where it gets like, uncomfortable. The nice thing is, at every point that it starts to get uncomfortable, Diane takes control of that. Yes. And she's like, yeah, this is getting a little weird, so no. Right. And right. like here, she just literally kicks him out right right doesn't even give him the chance to put his pants back on kicks him out throws his jacket at him and she totally owns that scene which is good and similar to you know in the first season there's that moment where he tries to kiss her in the pool room you know against her will and she responds by basically flipping him like he lands on his back on the pool table and it's like okay he shouldn't have tried to take advantage of her that way she responded appropriately so you kind of forgive him because he got what was coming to him exactly so by the end of this episode when he literally he kicks her door in he breaks into her apartment and demands sex there's a word for that yes. and it's not a good one so it's like how do you forgive him in like this moment how do you come back for this well you basically lay him low and you make him look pathetic which is she convinces him that she called the police on him and he basically starts crying and begs her not to send him away don't let them so take me away please yeah please. yeah no uh, I, I think that's kind of how they they skirt the line, and that's the way that you can kind of you can look at this episode and be like, yeah, that that was wrong, but it's not 
irredeemable. No. Because also, also because of the setup and the way that Carla led him there, you know that that's not like that's not his a game. Like he didn't go there with that intention. He was putting on an act that he thought she would respond to because he was told by somebody else, by another woman, this is what you do. And God knows whether Carla was serious about that or not. <laughs> I mean, either way, whether she was serious about it or not, she did, none of them thought that it was going to work. Right, right, yeah. They're like, yeah, they're like laughing at him behind his back. They're like, yeah, he's a dead man. This is, yeah, he's a goner. But um, it's almost like a meta thing again. Like, this was the way things would have worked in the 70s and 60s. But now we're getting into, I mean, because this is 80, what, 83, right? Yeah, 83. And so, like, we're now getting into, mo- this is the modern day, quote, you know, at the time. And it's like, no, this is not going to work anymore. Right. You can't pull this crap on a woman now. This is not going to work because we are either going to beat you up <laughs> like, <laughs> or we're going to call the cops on you. And uh, we're not going to change our, uh, like, yeah, you're you're in trouble. You can't do this anymore. Yeah, she throws it back at him. She's like, if you're going to behave like a barbarian, that's how you're going to get treated by her, a roving hun or whatever she says. Yeah. Yeah, because that. I really got uncomfortable when she when he says get in that bedroom, woman. Yeah. And she has that look on her face, and then all of a sudden it, it softens completely. I'm like, don't tell me this is gonna work. And then you hear her talking on the phone. I'm like, oh wait, there's something going on here. And she plays it off perfectly, like it's just oh yeah, the cop. And she comes out in this flimsy outfit, and she's like, oh yeah, no, that was just the police. I'll be here in a few minutes. Would you like coffee? <laughs> yeah. I I don't have anything ground or any, but that might take too long. Are you okay with instant? <laughs> She's good. She's good. Yeah. The, yeah. The way she plays it off, like how matter of fact it is, because it takes him a little bit to catch up. And then you see the fear building. He's like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, no. well, you broke my apartment. I have the evidence right there. You smashed it open. It's like, are you going to leave? I know where you live. It's okay. I'll tell him where you, where you are. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah like, she, matter of factly, she's like, no, this is what happens when you do this. Nothing to freak out about. You just um, call the cops. So instantly taking away all of his power, so he's just reduced to just a groveling for her forgiveness. And I mean, I, I think, again, that, that is the way you're able to sort of forgive him for this behavior, is just to see him laid so low by it and, and be made so pathetic. But at the end, she's like, you know, she's like, now now we have this understanding. We know where we're standing. It's like, we know that that's not the way you behave. She's like, but hey, I did like the part where you picked me up. And so that was that was kind of a cute part. And then he gets his one little final saying when he tosses her, her stuffed animals out the window. So. And that kind of shows the way that any relationship they have will probably be that way. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a power struggle, most likely Diane winning. And Sam's only outlet really is some kind of childish adolescent rebellion. Right. Which is, I will throw your stuffed animals out the window. Because he didn't even just toss them out the window. The shark gets tossed between his legs. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's having fun with it. Yeah, like that's the only way he's winning. Some kind of teenage rebellion. Which is why it's not a good relationship. Because you can't have this relationship where you're always going to have a fight, power play. And then the one who's always got, pretty much always going to win, you're going to have like a little teenage like, well, yeah, well, I'm a little spiteful thing here. That you're not going to know about for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. A few other bits about this episode that, I, that we need to touch upon. Um, back in the like while Sam and Diane are having their thing in her apartment, there's the discussion about death and reincarnation back at the bar. Um, oh, yeah. Philosophers are back again. Yeah. Mostly between Coach and Cliff. And then Norm jumps in on it because Cliff is like, you know, most of my friends have, you know, gone, uh, you know, they're not here on anymore. And one of the other guys is like, oh, they've gone to the great beyond. He's like, no, they're dead. And <laughs> Cliff starts talking about reincarnation. And he has this one great moment. He's like, you know, some people like the, the Hindus believe that, you know, if you led a good life, a virtuous life, then you would come back in, ele- in an elevated state. Oh, Colorado? <laughs> like Colorado? 
it's like it's like no 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 he's like but conversely if you've been bad you know you'd come back as you know kind of a lower more pathetic thing and, and uh norm pipes in he's like man whoever i was in a previous life i must have made a real ass of myself and we also got quite a bit with some of the minor characters alan and paul really mm-hmm. had like a pretty decent roles in these episodes yeah yeah and paul's not long for the show paul's only in 10 episodes but alan i checked it out and by the way, that's their actual first names, Alan and Paul. Right, right. But yeah, Alan's got to be in through, except like, a, I think it's like season 10 or 11, 9 or 10. He's pretty much all the way up till the last episode. Yeah, he's one of those guys that was just like kind of, they kept him around as like a sort of tertiary character. And I don't know if he like, he was one of those guys who was like part of like the crew or something that just kind of invited to like kind of sit around. But yeah, he was, he was always one of those background kind of guys who, who, stuck around with the show throughout its its whole life but yeah yeah they get some good parts in this one yeah i always viewed them as him as like the character because i recognize him from the show obviously watching i'm like oh i know who that guy is i don't know yeah. his name but i recognize him i always viewed him as like he's a neighborhood guy he goes to the bar a lot but he is just has more of a life than cliff or norm right so right. he's just not there 24 <laughs> 7 right maybe maybe even has like a family that he does care to see unlike 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 some of the others but yeah but he wants to go back and they're like catch me up what's going on yeah Unfortunately, he did pass away last year. Oh, Alan. Another Alan Koss is the name of the actor. Yeah. Yeah, Alan Koss uh, passed on November tenth, twenty eighteen. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Um. So something else because this this keeps coming up with the show. Like every once in a while, we're reminded of the actual how how small the staff of Cheers actually is because. One of the one of the bartenders and one of the waitresses leave the bar in the middle of the day to go have sex, leaving just Coach and Carla to work the bar, and it's a pretty crowded bar. Like it's not totally packed, but like that's one of the busier days, busier times. Like there's a lot of people there that are essentially just being served by one bartender and one waitress. I guess it's one of those bars where everyone knows them anyway, so they're just fine with hanging out. Yeah, I guess so. so. Or I guess if Norm is the only one who ever has to actually do any drinking, then, you know, you're fine. Well, we know Norm's willing to, you know, help pitch in and self-serve. <laughs> yeah, he can do that, too. He'll just mark down the tab. Norm had four. Or how many you counted this episode. Um, just a few little uh, trivia bits for the It's a Little Known Fact. Uh, the writers, Glenn and Les Charles, did get an Emmy nomination for this script. Um, the joke from the end of the first season finale, and it's the beginning of this one, which is Sam and Diane are yelling at each other, and Sam says, are you as turned on as I am? Apparently, the writers used the same joke about 20 years later on an episode of Frasier. Um, I, I didn't watch this episode to confirm it, but I just read about this. There's apparently a scene uh, in an episode of Frasier where Frasier and a woman, they're yelling at each other, and he says, are you as turned on as I am? But they flip it because the woman kind of backs up like, no. <laughs> like she, she's, she sort of like looks at him quizzically like, what the hell are you talking about? Like They kind of flip the, the, the read on that situation, but it's a nice little play on it. Frasier, you are not Sam alone. <laughs> right, right. So. Um... In its first season, Cheers frequently ranked dead last in the Nielsen ratings. In season two, its average was 35th place, which is a significant jump. That's like wow. half of the, the number, so pretty good kick up. Uh, and the show won five Emmy Awards just a few days before the second season began, so relating back to the first season. I think it got renewed then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. For Norm's tab, I counted him as drinking three beers in this episode, which, picking up from last season, takes him up to 101 beers for the series. 
Um, okay, so who did you have for your employee of the month? Who did you think gave either the most comedic or most dramatic performance in the episode? Oh, it had to be Diane. Totally. I mean, the way she took everything and she took the power back every single time. She did not back down and she thought, I mean, as a character, she was thinking quickly on her feet for every for that. You know, every time Sam tried to pull something, she just responded right back and twisted it right around on him. And the fact that she also, anytime it got awkward or weird, she fixed that. Yeah. So I have to give it to Diane. Yeah, I, again, like the, some of these episodes are so dominated by the Sam and Diane romance that it's, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I had like kind of like the same notes and I'm almost inclined to give it to Sam just kind of as a split because the sort of like the the range of where he has to go from, you know, like just like like how excited he is and like pacing like back and forth like when they're in the office to try and get her into bed to the macho like demanding and then just like the crumbling in front of her and nearly nearly brought to tears and how low he is just he gets some like real comedic beats in this one just through his like sort of body language and the physicality and everything but yeah i mean i mean i think i i almost want to give it to diane just again for that little yelp when he says 400 oh, like, <laughs> like that that the way she like it's like her breath is being yanked out of her i think that was so good though so, yeah it, i i'll probably agree with you and give it to diane but sam is a close second for that one so uh, all right. For the home runs, what did you think was the funniest or best gag in the episode? And this uh, this was hard to nail down because I've got a couple. But what did you think? Yeah, I have a tie. And they're both mostly like a physical comedy thing. The first one is when they're in the office and Diane says, I changed my mind. And Sam <laughs> leaps back to the couch. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was perfect. I love that, too. He just went right to the, ooh, okay. <laughs> She's good. So good, yeah, yeah. And the other one was also, it was a sweet, but also like a really bit nice, another bit of physical comedy, I thought. When Sam comes back after being frustrated, kicked out of Diane's apartment, he's his arms around like Cliff and Norm's like, this is it, I'm, cha- I'm going to grab the first woman that comes along, and Carla sneaks right in there. Yes! <laughs> and it's not just the way she, she sneaks in there, but the way her face changes. I mean, you talked about on the show how like, <laughs> After a few episodes, we get the Carla we expected, the Carla that's like been beaten down by the world and doesn't really have hope. But that Carla from those first few episodes is back for that second. Yes. Like the look on her face is completely different. And then when he's like, what? Yeah, Carla, what do you want? (laughs) And then it comes all back to her. Yeah, no, it's a great. I had that too. uh, The the same moment as one of mine. It was on my list. Yeah, He's like, I'm just going to grab the first one that comes along. And she's just just like materializes underneath his arm between him and Norm. It's great. Yeah. It's It's like, where did you come from? Yeah, exactly. And, of course, he's completely oblivious. It's like, yeah, well, what do you need? What are you, why are you there? And she's like, oh, duh, you idiot. It was amazing. It was like my dog as soon as I opened the refrigerator, shut the door, and there he is. Like, he could have been sleeping in another room, and all of a sudden he's right there. Right, right. You're in the food thing, <laughs> Kimmy. Yeah, total opportunist, but, uh, yeah, completely missing the point, so. Um, I had two others, and they just come, like, seconds from each other. Um, what I think I have is my number one. It's when they talk about going to a hotel, and she's like, but it has to be one that you've never been with with a woman. He's like, all right, okay, no problem. So he, has to, he takes out the phone book, and he starts looking through the phone book, like looking at the name. He's like, no, uh, no, no. And he just kind of takes a second and pauses. He's like, well, I'll be darned. <laughs> just like the realization that there's not a hotel in the phone book that he hasn't been with a woman. I love that beat so much. Just his reading on that. He's like, well, I'll be darned. 
Like, he's almost, like, surprising himself. He's like, oh, well, what do you know? And, like, the, the crestfallen look on her face, too. Like, she's, oh, my God, what the hell am I getting into? And then yeah. just a few seconds later, when they're about to leave, and, so, and she just says, Sam, wait, no, stop. It's so filthy. And he's like, no, no, it doesn't have to be. Not if we care about each other. <laughs> and, she's, and she has to, like, explain. She's like, no, I'm talking about my apartment. But even she's laughing at the moment because it's so good. Yeah, she. I like the way her face looked there. She's like, no, not that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, like, yeah. I mean, Diana's pretty much a prude, but she knows what she's getting into. Like, that's not what she's talking about. So, and I also did. I was amused by the, the when they're going up the steps, leaving the bar. Mm-hmm. When he says, I, you know, when he had told them, I'm gonna have to work a little hard on this one, but it's gonna be worth it. <laughs> and she's like, I don't think they misunderstood. He's like, no, no. I think I just made this up the top of my head. I think they understood. It's yeah. like, yeah, they understood the thing that I just made up off the top of my head. <laughs> right. And that's, I mean, that's the thing about, it. I mean, this is, this episode, it's its kind of got like a major plot beat because they have to set up that they're consummating their new relationship and they have to make that, like drag that out as dramatic and, and comedic at the same time. So there is that major fixture of this episode is like, how are these two going to get to the point where they're actually going to sleep with each other? But just everything leading up to and around that, it's just, it's still just a really funny episode. There's a lot of quotable moments. Again, just thinking about like the conversation about death and resurrection, like coming oh, yeah. to an elevated state. You mean like Colorado? It's like, but yeah, or it's a good thing, episode. Yeah, no, that was fun. I mean, a little uncomfortable at times, but thankfully, like I said, Diane takes it all back, fixes everything. Right, right. She does. Yeah. So it's good that good that that's handled that well. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for season two, episode one, Power Play. Uh, Al, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, where else can people find you if they want to tune in to hear more about you in the podcastosphere? Well, if you want to hear more from me, I mean, granted, it's not a TV show podcast, but um, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. It's all about the Marvel Comics characters, Adam Warlock and star of Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, Thanos. Find it at resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com or just go on to whatever you use to find podcasts and... Well, type in Adam Warlock or Thanos. We're pretty much what comes up. <laughs> and by the time this episode comes out, we might know whether or not Zach Efron has been cast as Adam Warlock, or if that was just a crazy rumor that got dismissed just as easily. So. Who knows? There's been there's always rumors about those Marvel casting anyway. There's usually like ten rumors before they actually get the real person announced. Right, but no, it is cool to hear that he will be in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. That's pretty cool. So I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Al, for being on the show. Listeners, thank you as always for tuning in. Please support the show on Facebook and Twitter, and please leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. As always, you can also leave an iTunes review. And until next time, we're closed. You've been with a lot of women. No, I have not. There have not been that many women. That gets exaggerated here in the bar. There haven't been that many, really. How many have there been? Oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, 400. (laughs) (laughs) Honeys. Honeys. Four honeys. Maybe that's more than my share, but it's all behind me now. Well, see, that's what I mean. I want to be special. I want to go someplace where you've never been with any other woman. All right, okay, that, that's easy enough. Uh, like, like where? How about a hotel? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. But one you've never been with anyone else. Well, all right. Okay, hotels or travels. Hey, there we go. No. No. Well, I'll be darned. Hey, come on, I, I, we're being silly here. Why don't we, uh, why don't we go to your place, huh? Well, I guess that could be all right. Oh, great, great. Oh, wait, wait. Sam, it's so filthy. Oh, no, no, it doesn't have to be. Not if we care about each other. 